0: Well, let's discuss the elephant in the room. I'm not trying to start some new fashion trend here, um, but this was a gift from one of the Nigerians to me, and I thought that as I give these presentations, I thought it'd be nice to share a little bit bit of their culture, um, and I hope that that as we talk about these things today that you'll be able to see part of their culture in Nigeria um, as they send their love and as they send their greetings to you. The... uh, we're always on a mission. And you think about it, in your Christian life, you're always on a mission. We've always got, even not in our Christian life, we've always got something to do, somewhere to be. You've got baseball practice. You've got work you've got to be at. You've got weekend plans. This morning you were probably on a mission to get your family to church. We're always driven that way. We're purposeful, purposefully driven people because we were created by a purposeful God. And we're like our God in that way. God is purposeful. You can see it all throughout the Bible, the mission of God. In this, the love of God was manifested toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. God's mission throughout the Bible, Old Testament and New, was to redeem us to Him. And Jesus was sent by God to redeem us, to be that Redeemer for us, to save us. And you look here at 1 John 4, verse 9, God sent. It was an action of love and a mission that God sent, sent Jesus on. And that's, that action there is God moving towards us in his mission to redeem us. And I look at that word sent, and when you look at the Greek word for sent, it's apostello. And we derive the word apostle uh, from that word. And it's used 130 times in reference to God sending somebody or someone being sent to preach the gospel. And so sending someone on a mission to redeem someone is something that God values. And you can see that throughout, throughout the entire New Testament as we read about Christ. When you're part of God's family, you're part of this mission of love. You're part of this mission to go out and to preach. You join the mission, and you're part of the people who are sent And you know the mission statement. We read this verse all the time, Matthew 28. It's one that we quoted many times when we were over in Nigeria. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And, lo, I'm with you always, even to the the end of the age. Amen. And I hope this morning, as you read that, as I read that to you, you're thinking, I want to be a part of that. That's a priority for me in my life. I want to be a part of that mission. How do I help with that? Well, I think, first of all, it starts at home. And you need to be evangelizing in your daily life here in Plainview. And as you, as you talk with coworkers, as you go and, and you're out in the community with friends and family, you need to be a missionary in that sense about talking and always being able to encourage people about the gospel of Christ. And you need to be able to win people over to the gospel by the way you live your life, how you conduct your life um, with your friends and with your colleagues and just even strangers that you don't know. Part of that, though, in that mission statement in Matthew 28, it says all the nations. And a lot of times we, we tend to overlook that, but, but we're supposed to venture out. It's not supposed to just stay here. When Christ said this right before he ascended, he wanted us to venture out. He wanted the, the 12 disciples or the 11 disciples at that time to venture out and to preach the gospel to all nations, not just keep it right there in Jerusalem, but that it would spread to all of Europe, all of Asia, all of Africa, and throughout the world. And you have done that by donating here at the church, by giving your money individually, by giving the money collectively as a church here, which you support the work in Nigeria, you have done that. You ventured out to Africa, and this morning I want to show you how you ventured out and how you have really become a part of the work that's being done there in Africa. So let's, take it, let's look at Nigeria. The traditional greeting in, in Ibu is Indewu, and this is really the first time that I haven't been laughed at in front of a crowd when I've said that because over there i don't know if they think it's just humorous that we're trying to speak their language or the fact that we butcher it terribly but they get a big chuckle out of it every time and so it's nice to to know that that you don't have any preconceived uh, idea of what that word actually is supposed to sound like but we uh, we left on april 26th of this last year and we got back may 16th so we got back about a month ago and it was a good a really good trip took about three weeks to do that trip um, here's a Google Earth video of, of kind of this trip that we went on, and it's kind of hard to see, but th- right there in the center is Texas, and you can see um, the, I've highlighted Plainview right there. We flew from Plain or from Amarillo to Dallas, and then Dallas to New York, and then we flew halfway around the globe over to Europe, and we made a that that was an eight hour leg, and then we waited in an airport for four hours and got on an airport or airplane there in Frankfurt and flew south, and it's another eight hour trip. And Africa there, you can see the very top part is very arid, very dry, very similar to what it is here. And the southern part, it's very jungle, uh, junglesque. And, and there's deep forest, deep jungles, lots of, of trees. And Nigeria kind of shares half and half of that. The northern part of Nigeria is arid and desert, and the southern half is jungle jungle, and it is thick jungle. The, the uh, capital of Nigeria is in the northern half, and that's where there's a huge Muslim population and the southern half is where our work is down there in port harcourt that is where it's predominantly christian and so um, this is where we spend all of our time this is where the the main part of our work is um, mainly because of safety um, but we we have a really good uh, work there and i'm going to show you on this next map here in just a second kind of where all, all the different congregations that we work are but Nigeria is about the size, if you combine Arkansas, Oklahoma, and Texas, if you put all those together, that's the size of the entire state, uh, or all, the entire country of Nigeria. And our work, the, the, the size of our work is really about the distance between Lubbock and Amarillo. So pretty small amount of work, and there's, there's probably 80 to 100 churches within that, that size just because they don't have the travel uh, ability like we do and even though it's a it's a tenth the size of the united states being the size of arkansas oklahoma and texas it's double the population of the united states so a tenth of the size but double the population Uh, there's just a lot of people everywhere and you'll be able to see that in some of the photos that i'll show you here in a minute here's a just a picture of all the different churches that we support there and the different colors are different years that we've traveled to uh, to these different churches Um, the ones in green were the ones from this past trip and so um, I'll show you that on this map here. Um, you can see that we were able to spread out pretty, pretty good, and every day we try to go to a little bit different area, and we try to visit three or four churches a, a day. And that red circle is where our hotel is. And when I say hotel, it's not the, the, the three-star or two-star even hotel that we're thinking of here in the U.S., um, but it works. It, it's, an, it's a nice place for us to stay. Uh, this hotel is kind of the central uh, part of the area, and it's where our lo- our, our, all of our operations were based out of. Uh, we were able to have our evangelist meeting there that we brought in, and we'll sh- I'll show you some of those pictures here in a minute. Um, but it, it works really well to be able to be on the main road there, right in the middle of the city, um, to be able to venture out um, every day. Here's our, uh, our leadership team. Um, you can see uh, Michael McCorkle, uh, J. Lloyd, Ray Cook, and myself just in case you couldn't tell who the, the Americans were. Um, Michael McCorkle, you know him. He's an evangelist from Denton, Texas. Jay Lloyd, he's going to be here in a few weeks holding your meeting. Uh, he's an elder and an evangelist from Fort Smith, Arkansas. Uh, Ray Cook, um, he's an elder at the Bridgeport Church and then myself. And then in charge of the leadership work in Nigeria, the overseers here in America are Michael McCorkle, Sean Zebak, Ty Fleming, um, Ray Cook and Jerry Lowry. So you probably know most of those names. Those are the guys who who every day, they're talking about this, they're on the phone. um, They're they're really the guys who oversee everything. We also have an advisory board that's made up of 18 to 20 people. And we meet uh, once or twice every year. And this is really just to help share the workload that these guys have, because it takes a lot of effort on their part to put this thing together. Um, It's a lot of work every single day. And so any way that we can share the load for them, uh, we do. The guys there, that's Tennyson, Grant, and Marvelous. Those are the guys who are really the leadership over there in Nigeria. They're the ones that oversee the day-to-day operations there. Uh, really, I have all the confidence in the world in these guys. They're genuine people. I trust them with my life. And, and they're very hard workers, very dedicated. They've been dedicated for, for a long time, 30, 40 years in, in working in the church. I know they look young, but they're, I think they're all in their 50s. Um, they age pretty well over there. Uh, But these are the guys in charge. And basically, we are just a tool to help them be able to effectively manage the people over there, all the different evangelists and churches over there. And one thing about having these guys is they're very open to change. And we've been able to really increase our communication with these guys. And so this last trip, we we brought four computers over to them and this will this now allows us to use zoom uh, to meet with them they have some hot spots and so every single day if we wanted to we could get on and we could see them face to face and be able to communicate with them Uh, they'll also be able to use those computers for accounting purposes Uh, like i said we want them to be able to handle that as much as as they can and get that to where they can really sustain themselves on that Um, and those guys are are awesome in that fact and then the rest of the guys in this picture are guys that traveled with us every single day for this three-week work And these guys left their families for for those three weeks and uh, really appreciated them, a lot of younger guys. And that's really been the focus of what we've been trying to do here is really lower that average age of an evangelist there down a lot so that we can have a lot of effect on these younger guys and that they'll be with us for a long time. And a lot of the younger guys are just a lot more willing to go out and do things and be more active uh, just because they're a lot healthier and they're able to do that. And so uh, these are, are really awesome guys. I'll, I'll share some, some uh, photos and some, some stories of some of them here in a little bit. Uh, but training them as they're young and making them want to be an evangelist, want to be a leader in the church one day is a, a huge priority. And that's something that spending three weeks with them, we were really able to get accomplished. And so we were really glad to do that. We couldn't do this trip without these guys. And this is uh, the Nigerian army that traveled with us and these guys just make us safe and you've probably heard throughout the i mean you hear it on the news fox news cnn news that there is real difficulty going in and out of nigeria and i'm I'm not going to stand up here and tell you there's not risks but these guys really help mitigate that risk and um, people there do not fear the police Um, the police are not a big deal but they fear the nigerian army and we were able to have these guys there with us the whole time um, and, and discuss things with them and, and preach to them and really had a great time with them. Um, these guys, we, we couldn't do this trip efficiently or safely without them. There's roadblocks everywhere you go, every two miles or so, and, and these guys are able to help clear us around those or get us around those roadblocks. Um, they're on guard 24-7. Someone's always watching just in case something were to go, go off, and those guys are there to help keep us safe. And this is Samuel. Uh, Samuel started working with us about seven years ago. Samuel's a member of the church. Uh, he used to work for the security team that oversaw some really big uh, government roles there in Nigeria, and we were able to poach him from that. And now he's a full-time, he, we support him full-time, and he goes and he helps uh, coordinate things for the church, and especially while we're there, um, he coordinates our security. He, he's very smart when it comes to that. Um, things that might not be a big deal to us or seem like a big deal, he knows exactly what to do about. He knows what's safe, what's not safe, and so we have all the trust in the world in, the, in this man. Um, he's got a very intricate knowledge of that kind of stuff, and, and we are very thankful to have have him because Nigeria is a dangerous place if you don't know what you're doing, but thankfully we've got people that do know what they're doing, and so we were able to, to stay, stay safe the whole time. There's a tremendous amount of corruption in Nigeria. Like you've heard, Boko Haram is a... Uh, is a terrorist group in nigeria that's mainly in the northern half of nigeria it's slowly starting to spread south though and so 95 percent of people in nigeria are just genuine nice people but you've got that percentage just like you do here and i mean we started talking you know if you were in another country and you were listening to fox news or cnn news about what's going on in america you'd say i'd never want to go there in my life And it's kind of the same way. We hear the bad things. We only hear the bad things about things that are going on in other countries, just like they only hear the bad things that are going on in ours. And so you've got to have some perspective with that. But there is corruption. I'm not going to tell you that there's not corruption. Um, But we put safety measures, like I said, in place to make sure that we don't get anywhere close to where some of these terrorist groups are. Lots Lots and lots of corruption. Here's just a Video of all the trash and this is just everywhere you go every street that you're on. It's just trash pit after trash pit after trash pit and Trash isn't a priority when you don't have money cleanup is not a big deal to you Um, It makes the trip a little less enjoyable But at some point you just get used to it and it's just one of those things you don't see until you see something like that and That's a median um, That's just full of algae and they've they've built a crosswalk over Um, over that median and there's just trash filled with it and, and you just better hope that that God has blessed you if you're in Nigeria to have good balance because yeah that is not something that you want to fall into it is it is pretty gross smelling too that's one thing, I, I tried to find a way. I got some Nigerian money and I zipped it up in a bag and, and zipped it up in another bag just to try to preserve the smell to bring back to Jordan. And I opened it up and it doesn't smell like anything. And so um, it's one of those things you go nose blind to uh, when you're there. Um, this is a picture of the roads over there and it's really the best visual that I could get. I'm sitting in the back seat of this, this SUV and I'm hunched down and it's got a really short ceiling and I'm trying to, to sh- get this picture out. But there's just no picture that could do it justice to show you how bad the roads are there. Um, You can imagine when it rains, which we were right there in the middle of the rainy season or at the start of the rainy season, you can imagine how semis just get stuck. And when a semi gets stuck or blows an engine or or an axle messes up, um, it's not something that you pull off or you tow off to the side. You just stop right there and they will pull an engine out of a semi right there in the middle of the road. Um, and so it'll back up traffic forever, and that's one of the things that having this Nigerian army f- that um, travels with us, they're able to walk to off tra- traffic and get us around that, um, which is a tremendous blessing. Food. We take our own food, if you can imagine that. It's just not one of those things that we're brave enough to try. Um, we don't eat a lot of the food there. We do eat just a few things, but we packed most of it. Uh, there's a picture of some golden stuffed Oreos there, and those were the hot commodity. And on about day two, we were really sad that those were gone. And we realized that, that we should have brought a lot more of those. Um, this was a, a delicacy that uh, Michael and Jay really enjoyed. This was deviled ham on a piece of bacon wrapped in a tortilla. And this was just something that I couldn't bring myself to try. Um, but they really enjoyed that. Um, you, you find some really interesting combinations of food that, that you wouldn't think that you would enjoy, um, but you do. My main thing that every morning I, I I brought some oats that were in a packet, just some instant oatmeal. And we didn't have any milk, so I just opened the packet and just, just downed it. And that was one of those things, you just, you enjoy dry oatmeal uh, mixed with a little bit of, of water, um, but you make it work. This was one thing that I got talked into. I did venture out one time, and, and over there, the Nigerians kept saying, you've got to try swallow, you've got to try swallow. And it's their local cuisine uh, that they all love. And I said, what is swallow? And they said, it's this food that you ball up and you swallow it. And, and they said, you've got to try it, you, you've got to do it. And I said, maybe. And so they, every day, they kept saying, okay, you've got to try it. And so finally, two days before we were, we were leaving, I said, okay, tonight's tonight, I'm going to try it, because I knew that that next day we were going to be in the hotel all day, if I had problems, I could I could deal with it, and there's a video out there circulating that someone's got that has this video of me trying this, and um, the the waitress, she came up, she said, what kind do you want? And I said, I want the vegetable swallow, it's this, uh, You it's matzah, and then this, the, I don't know what's in the soup, um, but... I said, I want vegetable soup. I want vegetable, no meat, no meat at all. And she said, okay. And she comes back and I I start spooning through this thing and picking it up. And I pull a rodent spine out of this vegetable soup. And uh, I knew that they weren't going to let me live it down. And so I I did it. I ball it up. I swallowed it. I was done. It was the nastiest thing I've ever tasted. I'll never do it again. But now they can't say that I didn't try it. So the food is not something you go to Nigeria for. Uh, 2010, uh, the currency exchange rate was about at one U.S. dollar would, would equal out to 110 naira. And that's their currency there. 2018, one U.S. dollar, was the currency exchange rate was 363 naira. And then on this recent trip, it was 560 naira. And so just like inflation has hit us, it's hit them even harder. Um, and they just do not have... Um, the, the money to be able to buy much as their currency becomes worth less. The good thing, though, is that the money that we send over there, we're able to get a lot more out of that. And so our money that we send uh, goes, has a lot more buying power just because there's a lot of confidence in the U.S. dollar where there's not a lot of confi- confidence in their, in their currency there. Most Nigerians there survive on about $2 a day. Um, and you think about us, I mean, a lot of us make 100 or 200 even times that. And so it's just, it's unfathomable to imagine how little that is. Uh, But they make it work. Um, But these people are very poor. So, corruption, disgusting food, disgusting sanitation, trash everywhere, bad roads, money problems, corruption. Why do we do this? This is why we do it. We go out and preach the gospel. Just like you need Jesus, these people need Jesus. And they're so receptive to that. This is why we're here. And this is why we're here. 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 Just like they need a Savior, just like you need a Savior, they need a Savior too. And while we were there, we had 18 baptisms. um, And I'm sure that, that since then there's been a lot more. Uh, these people are so receptive to the gospel of Jesus. And I think it's because they have very little in this life. And so they're looking for something better. And when you preach Jesus to them and you tell them about Jesus, they realize that's something better. I want that. And so they're so receptive to it. And, and you just have a really good effect on, on that whenever you're there. We were also able to, uh, to baptize a village chief. And a village chief is essentially like a mayor um, over here and just has tremendous influence. He's got, a, he's got a significant amount of money over there too. And so um, this will have tremendous effects on that young church that, that he's uh, a member of now. Um, and a really dramatic effect, I think that's gonna be over the next few years, it's gonna be really exciting to see what happens at that, that little small village church. These churches are, are, are so strong and they're, they're so welcoming and it, it's, so, it's, it's great to see how they love each other and how they love us and how they love you. Every one of them that you talk to, send my love back to America. And, and they truly mean that. Um, some of these churches are really young, like this one here. They're meeting in a school right now um, until they can get some land bought to build a church building. Um, but right now, they're just making it work. And this, this church, I think, started less than 18 months ago. And they, they're already at 30 or 40 people. A lot of young kids, too. And so that's something that's really encouraging when we see it here. It's really encouraging when we see it there, too. They've got young congregations. They've got really old congregations, too, and churches that have been around for a long time. Lots of elders, deacons, good leadership um, as well. And so uh, it's really nice to see how active, active the churches there are. They've got new churches that are starting up. They've got old churches that have been around for a long time and thriving in the, in the churches or in the communities that they, they live in. One thing that i learned when i was in nigeria is just like here people are people and when you sit down and when you talk with them and you have conversations with them and you share stories people are people they're genuine they're down-to-earth people and so now when i when i think about nigeria i don't think of them as the nigerian brethren or the or whatever the nigerian churches i think of them as family they really are my brothers and sisters and they're your brothers and sisters and it, it, it was such a refreshing thing for me to see that and get to meet these people. And that's why I'm sharing some of these stories with you this morning. It's just, I want you to be able to see them that same way. That they're, they're not just somewhere that, that our money goes to, but they're people that, that genuinely care about you and genuinely love you. So aside from really the main focus of, the, of us going over there for church work, um, we also go, and this is an orphanage that we, we spend a lot of time at. And this lady's name is Chi. And she grew up in Nigeria and a very educated woman. She actually came over here to the States and went to college here, got a degree in social work and then saw a tremendous need to go back to Nigeria and do some social work. And she went back there and started this orphanage where there's 40 to 50 kids there that she supports and the staff there supports. And it's an orphanage and the fact that these kids don't have anyone to take care of them, but their, their parents don't want anything to do with them, but won't give up their parental rights because there's tremendous money in trading kids for money. And so they won't give up those rights. And so it's a, we can't adopt these kids out. We've had a lot of people really ask about, is there any chance for adoption? And right now there's not, Um, but she's doing an amazing work there, just trying to keep these kids with clothing on their back, uh, food every day, Educating them um, and that's one of the things that we were able to do when we were there is we brought some computers and some iPads that church members had donated and this is hopefully going to give them a jump start in just learning how technology works and so whenever they go uh, to their higher up learning or their uh, their university as they call college that they'll know what they're, they'll kind of have some some beginning knowledge of that. Um, After talking to her, um, I just can't imagine what they have to go through to take care of these kids. They don't have any power. Um, And so she talked to us about having to brush kids' teeth with a flashlight in her mouth every night before you go to bed. And so it just breaks your heart to see how much love how difficult it is, but it gives you so much joy when you see how much care she has for these people. And the staff, She, I think she has eight members on staff there that do the same thing. And, and she doesn't do it for the money. She just lo- does it because she really loves these kids. Um, and so uh, we got a couple videos of, of all these kids. And this is probably half of them. Um, that one kid you can see is not having the best time in his life. Um, Here's a picture with Jay. Um, We spent probably four or five hours with these kids and just really loving kids and, and your heart just breaks for them. But, you know, they're in good hands when you see Chi as she takes care of them. Here's here's another picture of Chi with some of her staff. And you can see all the shirts that we're handing out. And this these shirts were brought over by us. They say Church of Christ, Nigeria. And we were able to raise several thousand dollars uh, that went towards the purchase of these shirts. So then when we went over there, we had, I think it was 500, church, 500 shirts that we were able to pass out to all the different members of the churches and then gave some to this orphanage as well. And so they love to put these on. They'll wear these shirts for 10 years. And every time that we go over there, we'll see them in these same exact shirts. It's something that they, they really hold on to. They really enjoy getting stuff like that from America. So we were glad that, that we were able to do that. Outside of the orphanage, we also, um, there, there's, there's kids that are homeless everywhere, kids that, that don't have any parents that are orphans, and every church that we went to, they said, yes, we've got orphans, we've got widows, and that's, that's something that we don't, we don't think about here in the United States, and it just kind of blew our mind when we started talking to all the Nigerian leadership over there, and they said, oh yeah, there's, there's orphans and widows in every single church, and this is Miracle and Aluchi, and it's hard to tell, but uh, Miracle on the left there is 11 years old, and Aluchi is 9, and they don't look anything like that. I think, that's, I think that's because of all the mal- malnutrition that they, that they were subject to when they were younger. But, um, probably I think three years ago, um, we started really uh, understanding their story, and, and an American family found out about their story, and they, we were able to raise a lot of money for them um, and an American family sends $1,500 a year over to them to help support them um, and the widow. And that's, that doesn't have anything to do with church support. That's just an American family that just co- contributes directly to that. Um, but we're hoping to have a lot more opportunities like this. There's, like we said, there's orphans and widows in every single church. Um, and so we're trying to compile a list and a picture of all these different people who need some help. Um, to hopefully be able to get some support by the Americans um, individually. And this $1,500 a year pays for two orphans and a widow. Um, it gives them food, it gives them shelter, it gives them clothing and education for a year. And so our money goes a long way for that. Like I said, really cute kids. There's those orphan situations everywhere you can think of. Um, and I think that that's, a, that's not the, the direct purpose of the church and us being there, but I think that's an extension of it. And I think that's something that we should be involved in and helping provide for. This is a friend of mine that was over there, and, and he told me this story. They've been trying to have kids for 18 years. They've been married for, I think, 20 years now, and they've been un- unable to have kids for those 18 years. And finally they decide, we're going to get money together, we're going to adopt a kid. And so um, it's very expensive. Just like here, it's very expensive there. And finally, after years and months of waiting, they— uh, they get this little girl. They are able to adopt this little girl. And this little girl comes into their home and they love this little girl and they spend time with her. Um, The little girl loves them. And then one month later, the police come knocking at the door and trying to arrest them. Because apparently this little girl was stolen from her family and then was put up for an adoption illegally. And so um, it just breaks your heart to see these types of situations go on over there. There's so much corruption. Um, but with that, so he didn't end up getting taken to jail, but, um, he's out money and he had taken loans out. He had saved up for years to do this and he was out and he owed a lot of people money. And so, um, an American family found out about this just maybe two weeks ago and gave him money that paid off of his debts. And hopefully that will help encourage them to pursue this option again, because just like here in America, we want to have kids. Same thing over there. They want to have a family. And so hopefully uh, by doing that, they'll be able to, and they'll be encouraged to do that. We were able to have a preacher conference, an evangelist conference when we were there. We met with uh, 60 evangelists that we support. We we support somewhere around 80 evangelists over there, uh, but 60 of them were able to come to this conference, and we spent three days, and that three days was just just discussing the purpose of the church and how we can more effectively spread the gospel. And we talked about the leadership of the church and ordaining leadership and ordaining elders and deacons. And Michael, Ray, Jay, and I, we each spent time preaching, uh, giving a sermon. And then after every one of those sermons, we gave them time to discuss this. And we'd break up into eight groups of eight or ten. And we'd give them some pretty difficult questions where they had to discuss these things and come to conclusions on their own. Where we're not just feeding them the information, but they're figuring it out for themselves. And I, I thought that was a really powerful thing that we were able to do. We didn't just preach, but we had the evangelist leaders, uh, the, the leaders there in Nigeria, they preached as well. And so it, it's really nice to see uh, Grant Marvelous and Tennyson, who itch, those are the leadership. But we also had some of the younger guys preach, guys that are in their 30s. And it's, it's really amazing to see how powerful their, their preaching is, how effective they are, how much they know their Bible. Um, these men, they know their Bible very well. And it, it gives me perspective of I've got to work on that because they, they know it. I mean, they know it inside and out. And I think that's something that we can better, uh, do a better job of. Just like we sang this morning, uh, every church service that we went to there, every church that we visited, uh, we kind of had a theme song. Uh, they would sing their songs to us, and then we wanted to be able to share them uh, some American songs. And so we, the song that we sang over and over again was Lord Take Control. And so I like to think this morning as we sang that song that seven hours ago, 6,000 miles away, they were singing the same song because um, that's a song that they really enjoyed singing with us. And even though this is towards the end of our trip, even though we sang this song probably 75 times, poor Ray just had to pull out his phone every time and look at the words. And so I told him I was going to give him a hard time about that. Um, it's not a hard song, but poor Ray just couldn't figure that out. And that's probably going to get back to him, and I hope it does. Um, this is a picture, and I know you can't see it very well, but this is just all the different evangelists that we support there. This is just a portion of those. Um, but we had, like I said, about 60 men, and we were able to, to talk with these guys, see what work they're involved in, see the different areas that they're involved in that work, um, and it was really promising to do that. Every night we met with our leadership team there um, and the, the the guys that were traveling with us, and like I said, it's it's when you get to where you can just talk to people and have a good conversation, and it's not the the hello how you doing type situation. You really get to know someone. That's when you really get to to see how these guys are doing. And and we were able to just talk with them. We talked about joys. We talked about sorrows. We talked about happy things and sad things. We talked about encouraging things and discouraging things. And and we were able to share in their troubles and in their sorrows and in their happy things that that they go through. Um, really encouraging to me to see this. Um, we were also able to kind of see what problems they have there um, and come to find out it's a lot of the same problems that we have here uh, when it comes to church work. And so we were able to kind of share the knowledge that we have uh, in that. Every time we meet uh, over there and go over there, they compile, compile a list. And this is their list of kind of what's priority. And you can see at the top of that motorcycles. Um, that's how they get around over there. Um, gospel tracts, hymn books, things like that, and then properties, p- purchasing properties, that, uh, places that need churches, uh, places to worship, and then putting roofs on buildings that, that need uh, roofs on them. Um, and it's great to, to trust their judgment because we've got priorities over there, over here, and when we see something on that list, it may be a higher priority, but when we go over there and we get to talk with them and we kind of see what's important to them, it's nice to be able to trust their judgment in that. So here's a picture of us giving them their motorcycles, and you can see just how thrilled they are to do that. And these are young guys that just love preaching. They love going out. They're very active in what they do and uh, really excited to give them those, and, and it was just a tremendous joy on their face um, because we know they're going to be put to good, to good work. And I had to throw this picture in there because it was just a really cute picture of this kid. Uh, this is a well that the church there uh, that we were able to build. Um, the church here at Ingua. Um, the, they weren't able to use the community water source. Apparently, the, the leaders of this, uh, this community had gotten together and said, if you're a member of the church, you don't get to use the local water source. And so these guys, these, the members of this church, and there's probably 100 of them, they were having to drive or, or walk six miles to get just clean water. And so we found out about that, and we were able to build a, a borehole uh, or water well there. Um, that the church, the, the, commu- the church uh, individuals get to use, but it's also open to the, the community too. And so they can see how the church is just really welcoming to the community and trying to be a good fluent influence on the church. Here's a, a church that just needs a roof, and, and they built the walls. Um, and you can see as I walk into this building just how poor of shape this roof is. And it's just, I mean, it's held up by, by these little inch and a half poles and just not much safety there. And they've got 100 people, 75 to 100 people under this thing. And if you get a good gust of wind, this could just collapse at any second. And so I, I hope that over time that we're able to, to purchase things like this. I think this is one of the places that we had a, a tremendous priority in trying to get a roof on this building um, in the near future. We were able to buy some land while we were there. And this land um, is for the Imwoto Central Church of Christ. They're meeting in a church, in a school building right now. I'm hoping we can get a church building built there soon. Um, here is a, just an example of the, the walls, the material that they use for these walls. And they'll, they'll cast all these bricks, and they'll have thousands of these bricks. And then when they finally get enough of these bricks cast, that's when they'll start laying the foundation and, and putting the walls up for this church. And so very promising to see that there as they're starting to construct their wall and ultimately what we're trying to do when we go to nigeria as americans and as you send your money over there we're trying to create self-sustaining churches that can do what they need to do without american support and that that's really the end goal um, that they'll be able to 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 thrive and they're doing that right now as we kind of help them help them do that and mentor them through that so um here's our church uh the church of christ nigeria facebook page and I think if you would, if you go on there, if you'd like that, um, you get a lot of really good information. There's a lot of, uh, you can see one there with Marvelous and Sean Zeebock, um, a video interview where he's talking about the work that he does in his home church there. Um, and then uh, there's a lot of other good information, preacher features as we call them, where we go and we talk to all the different preachers um, and just kind of keep you up to date with all the different work that's going on there. And then this is the church w- the website for the work there. And this is really the resource that I want you to write down. It's a uh, church of cfcnigeria.com. cfcnigeria.com. CFC and with that, I mean, it has photos, it has videos, it has our monthly newsletter that goes out, and it helps you really keep up to date with that. A lot of good information there. Currently, every month, we send $8,000 a month to go over there, and that's just for evangelist support. And. That doesn 't include these special products projects like purchasing roofs, purchasing property, things like that, but that 's just a monthly donation that we send over there that helps to support these evangelists and do the work that they do, and Some of our evangelists right now are just receiving 72 dollars a month, and so we 're really trying to double that. And to do that, we need about $1,700 per month. And I hope that um, as we go out, as we talk to different churches, as different individuals hear about this, I hope that we'll be able to increase that so we can double their, some of those guys pay. Like I said, every one of those church members over there, every time you talk to them, every time you, uh, we did video interviews um, with these guys, every one of them just said, thank you for your support. Thank you for your love. And you've given them great joy. You've given given them great happiness just by being concerned for them. And they wanted us to to express that to you. Just for a few minutes before we close, I want to talk about the fact that there's tremendous joy in giving. And I want to look at Philippians chapter 4. I think there's a lot of really good information there. Um, And Philippians was really Paul's thank you to the church there for, thank you for supporting me. Thank you for being concerned for me. Thank you for giving me money to help me get through life and helping me go on these different evangelistic trips that I'm going on. They sent money, they sent gifts, they kept him going. And he wanted to thank them, but he also wanted to mentor them into why they were giving and and kind of the the why behind the the thank you there. Um, And so he mentors them and he mentors us on how we can, through our donations and through our gift giving, can really preach Jesus to the world. And... As we read Philippians chapter four, I want all of us to decide that I'm going to give for the funding funding of the church, and the church here generously gives to this. This, and we thank you so much for that. Um, But hopefully, that that the that individual members here that you'll also contribute as well. And as I go into this, it's not a guilt thing. It's not a beat you up thing. It's not a here we go again thing. It's not a start the Sarah McLaughlin in the arms of an angel. That's not what this is. This is a joyful thing. There's tremendous joy in giving and that's God's purpose for Christians. He wants us to generously give and and receive the blessing of that because giving is a joyful thing. Philippians chapter four verse 10, he says, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. And so Paul starts this thank you by saying, I rejoice greatly. Not only does it give us joy when we're able to give and support and share in these, these troubles that these people have, but it gives the receiver tremendous joy. And if you fund what God is doing, you can be a joy creator. And like I said, I've got videos, countless videos, of people expressing their happiness and joy. It's not about the dollar amount. It's about the concern that we share for them as we give to them. He goes on to say, You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought very low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Yeah, it was kind of you to share in my trouble. By giving, by donating, by supporting these people, you get to partner in the suffering of others. And you know, here in America, we don't don't suffer much. And by partnering with these people, it allows us to just partake in their suffering just a little bit. Um, When you support the work um, in Nigeria or Belize or India or wherever your money goes to, you partner with them by giving them compassion and having compassion for them. And that, this is the kind of stuff that you want talked about at your funeral when you die. You don't, I mean, you don't want the preacher to get up there and say he purchased things for his own joy and comfort. You want people to get up there and talk about how much of a, a giver you were, how much of a sacrifice that or whenever uh, you gave of your things, it was a sacrifice to you. And you loved people so much that you were willing to contribute to their needs and their suffering. He goes on in verse 15 and he says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia... No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit. And when Jesus enters your life and becomes your Lord and Savior, and you're obeying him, you're expected to bear fruit. And one of the fruits that we bear is how much we give and how willing we are to partner in giving our things to other people. You don't support the work of God to become a Christian, but you support, support the work of God because you are a Christian. And I think that's a really important thing that this, that this passage is trying to say to us. Giving away money is one of the best indicators in our lives, in my life and your life, to see how connected we are with God. And ultimately, like I said, I'm not here to ask you to give money for the sake of giving money, Ultimately, we want to see the fruit that comes from our giving, and that's the spread of the gospel. Verse 18, as we finish up this passage here, he says, "'I have received full payment and more. "'I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, "'a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. "'And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus.'" "'And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus.'" Your trust in God allows you to freely give. When you realize that I'm not in control, God is in control, I rely on God for everything, that's when you realize I can freely give of my things because I trust in God. And if you don't have that perspective, then you're going to hoard your money, you're going to hoard your possessions, because you don't trust that He's going to provide for you. The more you trust God with your life, the more you're going to be open to, to giving your things to other people. And then he wraps that up. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Ultimately, uh, everything we do is for the glory of God. Uh, one of the missionaries, the statements that are, or quotes that I read was missions exist because worship doesn't. And this morning, as, as we sang these songs, as we prayed to God, and as we worshiped Him, as we worshiped God, I hope that brings you joy. I hope that's something you enjoy. And you know how you can double your worship of him? How you can double your worship of God? You bring another person to Christ. And that gives God more glory uh, when he has, or that gives him more worship. And we can glorify him uh, together with more believers as we do that. And this, ending Philippians chapter 4 here, that's not all Paul had to say about this church at Philippi. Um, He wrote a letter to Corinth. And in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 1 He writes to them and he says, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. And in Macedonia, there were three churches, one of those churches being the church at Philippi, uh, who he wrote the previous letter to that we talked about. Um, He says, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their excuse me and beyond their means of their own accord begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints begging us earnestly these people begged for just somewhere they could send their support to because they they wanted to be a part they wanted that they they loved what paul was doing they loved what christ was doing in their lives and they wanted other people to know about that and so these people were extremely poor as it says um, but they gave beyond their means and they begged for a place that they, could, that they could be a part of that. And you can be a part of that and you should be a part of that. And it glorifies God when we do that. And I hope that you'll be a part of this mission today. The church here generously gives that and we thank you so much for that. And we hope you'll continue to support that, support this work here in Nigeria. The last verse that I want to read, First John 3, verse 16. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone in this world's good, if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. In this verse, we see how to love, we see how to give, and we see this, and this is embodied, embodied in the sacrifice of Christ. This morning, if you don't know who Christ is, if you're not a part of the church, if you haven't accepted him and been baptized and believe in him, you don't know love. And, and you don't know how to sacrificially give your things. And there's no reason to do that if you don't know Christ. Christ is the reason that we do this. And so this morning, if you need to know Christ, if you want to be taught about Christ, if you want to obey Christ in baptism, we want to do that for you this morning. We would love to be able to do that for you. The members here would love to assist you in that. Um, it's just a simple step forward and coming down to this front, this front pew as we stand, this song, stand here in just a second and sing this song. So I'd ask you to get your songbooks out. Um, really, being a member of the church is priority number one. And all this other stuff that we talked about, that comes later. And so I hope this morning that you'll consider baptism. I hope you'll consider um, accepting Christ into your life. And then I, I hope you'll consider being a part of this mission. Um, I I hope you've enjoyed the presentation this morning. I hope you'll go to the the Church of Christ Nigeria website and and Facebook page and stay up to date with these kinds of things. We we want you to be a part of that, um, as we know you've generously been been donating your money. So at this time, we're going to sing a song of invitation, and I hope that if there's any need that the church can do for you this morning, and Phil, I hope that, that you'll come forward as we stand and sing.